Well, we want to talk about being grateful today. We want to talk about being thankful today. And today's message, if you're going to title it, um, I titled it The Ripple Effect because I feel like whenever we're thankful for stuff, when we're truly thankful, we become thankful people, all of a sudden it begins to have a ripple effect through other parts of our life. And so um, one of the things I think we think, and I was telling the worship team this before service, um, and, and I actually just really quickly during worship started adding it to my notes, but but we want... Um, our life to be transformed. We want our life to be different. We want our life to be impacted. But what we want a lot of times is we want some preacher to come in and have this big spiritual moment with us. We want to come down to an altar and we want to cry and weep and we want the heavens to open up and we want a dove to come down and we want lightning to strike someone else. And, And we want these things to happen. And sometimes what God wants is what's the most simple thing. There's a story in the Bible in 2 Kings chapter 5. You don't have to go there because it's not on the notes today. But 2 Kings chapter 5 is a story of a man named Naaman. Naaman was a warrior. Naaman got leprosy. And when Naaman got leprosy, he heard of a man named Elisha in Israel that could heal people. And so Naaman gets all of his stuff together. He gets all his gold. He gets all his clothes, all the gifts that he can give to Elisha. And he goes to Elisha's house. And when he gets to Elisha's house, he's wanting a miracle. And the Bible says that he gets there and Elisha doesn't even come out to see him. Elisha sends a servant out. And when he sends a servant out, he tells the servant to tell Naaman, go dip yourself in the Jordan River seven times and you'll be healed. And Naaman, the Bible says, was angry. And he was angry because Elisha didn't come out to see him. He was angry because he said, I was expecting him to come out and wave his hands over me and heal me with a big miracle. And he said, I've got better rivers in, in Damascus where I'm from. I've got better rivers somewhere else. I don't want to dip in the old muddy creek called the Jordan. And his servants came up to him and they said, Master, if he had asked you to do something hard, if he had asked you to kill a giant, if he had asked you to go slay the dragon, if he had asked you to climb the mountain, you would have done it. But he's asking you to do something simple and you don't want to do it. And what I feel like today this message is going to be about is I feel like there's times when God wants you to do something simple and we don't want to do it because we want life change to come through a big spiritual moment, not a simple practical one. And today's message is all about what happens when I become thankful. What happens when I become grateful. What happens when I learn to tell people and God, thank you for what you're doing in my life. And I think there's a ripple effect that's going to happen. And I think if we can begin to implement um, thankfulness and gratitude into our lives, then all of a sudden we're going to see some things change in our life. And we're not going to need the big spiritual. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. We need that sometimes. There's times when that's necessary. There's times when that happens. But sometimes there's some practical that we can do to make it work. So so four things that, that happens whenever I become a thankful person. So the series is called Be Thankful. The message today is what happens, the, the ripple effect of being thankful. The first thing that happens is it enhances my relationships. I'm going to give you some different studies that people have done outside of the church world because I think it's important to see what the church says, I mean, what the world says and what the Bible says. And so in 2014, a study came out that said um, thanking a new acquaintance, someone you meet, if you just learn to thank them, makes them more likely to pursue an ongoing relationship with you. Isn't that interesting? That if you just learn to tell people thank you, people you don't even know, if you're just kind to them and you're grateful to them and you thank them for the things that they do, even the world says 
that people are more likely to pursue a relationship with you. They want to be around thankful people. We all want to be around thankful people. The Bible says in Proverbs 21. Now, Solomon had seven, uh, had 300 wives and 700 concubines. So he put two verses about wives in Proverbs 21. Verse 9 says this. It's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. All the guy, like three guys said, all right, my dad being one of them because my mom is in the nursery today. Proverbs 21, 19 says, It's better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife. Now, this message today is not about wives, so, so ladies, don't get your feelings hurt. It is about people that are negative. Have you ever been around someone that is just always negative? Like, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, they're just always going to show you the negative side of that. They're always going to point out what's wrong with it, and they're never thankful. You give them a gift, and the first thing they say is, this looks like rose to me, not red, and they don't want to wear the shirt. You ever been around someone like that? Golly, I wouldn't. I guess I thought I was over it. I guess I'm not. I guess my feelings are, are more hurt than I thought they were. I need to pray for God to help us here today. But the idea is, what, what Solomon's saying here is whenever people are negative, when they're always negative, when, when they're never thankful, when they always complain, when they're always quarrelsome. And, and the word quarrelsome there means to be in competition with somebody. That they're always trying to one-up. They're always When you get around people like that, the Bible says that we would rather go live in the desert. I would rather get up in the corner of my attic. I don't know if you've been in your attic lately, but my attic is not the most wonderful part of my home. But it says you'd rather be there than be with someone that's always being negative and always um, causing con- contention. Colossians 3.15 says this, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. And, and look at how, how we're going to add thankfulness and the body of Christ relationships. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. How do I live in peace? And always be thankful. I can live in peace with you whenever I start being thankful and you start being thankful. And all of a sudden, we're going to want to be around each other. Everybody likes to be around somebody that's always thanking them. In 2012, the University of Kentucky did a study, and they said people who ranked high in gratitude are less likely to retaliate against others when they're given negative feedback. They also experience more sensitivity and empathy towards others with a decrease in desire to seek revenge. In other words, in this study, what, what basically what they're saying is, is whenever they, whenever they triggered someone, whenever they said negative things to someone, they tried to hurt someone's feelings, people that were already high in gratitude, it was a lot harder to hurt their feelings because whenever you started being mean to them, they looked at you and they had sympathy for you and empathy for you. And they said, you know what? I'm not going to seek revenge because this person probably has something wrong and I'm going to try to help them out instead. That's the power of being thankful if we can implement that in our lives. So the first thing it does is it enhances our relationships. The second thing it does is it protects my soul. Philippians 4, we use this one a lot, 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So there's this place of being thankful that when I'm thankful to God and I pray to God that his peace 
guards my heart and my mind. So, so whenever we see heart and mind, typically we're thinking soul here. Soul is a mind, will, and emotions in the Bible. So, so you'll hear a lot about the Bible talk about your body, your soul, and your spirit, right? And your spirit is what lives on. Your soul is what identifies you. It's your personality. It's your mind, will, and emotions. And so the Bible says that the, the peace of God, when I'm thankful, the peace of God will guard my soul. What is it guarding my soul from? The peace of God guards my soul from discontentment, discouragement, depression, resentment, lust, greed, envy, and pride. So all of these things are wanting to get in. All of these things are wanting to, to, to attack us. The world is full of discontentment and discouragement and depression and resentment and lust and greed and envy and pride. But whenever I'm thankful, when I live a thankful life, it, then God's peace protects my soul from these things that try to get in. What is peace? Peace is just being content. It's learning how to live a contented life, right? And it's thankfulness. So um, here's a couple of more studies I found. Robert Emmons did this study, and he says that gratitude increases happiness and reduces depression, in 2014, a study came out that said thankful people have higher self-esteem and instead of resenting others, they appreciate other people's accomplishments. So if you find yourself today in a place of resentment, you're resenting what other people are doing. So you go to work on Monday, you've been gone for the holidays and you go to work on Monday and someone else gets the promotion. If you find yourself in a place of resenting them for getting that promotion or, or jealous of them because they got the promotion and you didn't get it, chances are you might need to add some more Thanksgiving into your life. Maybe Thanksgiving holiday isn't over for you and we need to add some gratefulness to what we're doing. 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul gives Timothy some really good advice here, and I love it, and I think it's good for all of us. Now, he's going to be talking about rich, he's going to be talking about money, he's going to be talking about greed, but it, it can really apply to, to any of the areas of our life. 1 Timothy 6, uh, verses 6 through 10, it says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. In, in other words, it's important for you to have godliness and contentment. It's, in, it's important for you to be thankful. Why? Because that in and of itself is great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation. Now, I'm going to pause here for a second. People who long to be rich. Now, Paul's talking here about people that maybe want to be rich financially. But, but what happens to us a lot of times is um, really just, just learning how to covet. Whenever we covet what other people have, it may not all be finances. It may be that we covet someone else's family. It may be that we covet someone else's relationships. It may be that we, we, we want, we're greedy for, um, for, for someone else's lifestyle. So it's not always money. It can be a lot of other things. And so, so we need to read that in with it today as, as we read through this. But it says, people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, not money, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. I've seen this happen quite a few times in church and in life where someone has everything that they need, but because they have this overwhelming desire for more. They're not satisfied with their spouse, and so they want something more. And maybe they turn to, to pornography or strip clubs, or maybe they turn to some, some guy or some girl at their work, and they want something more than what they have. They're not thankful for what they have. 
They're not thankful for their finances and all that God's blessed them with because they see this other person with the nice car and the nice house and they want something more. And so, so they're willing to, to leave their, their family at home and work overtime and triple overtime and, and they're, they're willing to do anything it takes to get something else and they end up losing what they already had. See, this, this overwhelming desire and craving for more and more and more gets us in trouble. And so it's important to learn to be content with what we have. I've told this story before, but anytime we get new people, I get to tell my old stories again. And it just reminded me, my daughter Emma is turning 16 in, December, no, in January. And, um, and when she turns 16, she, she wants a car really bad. And so, um, so we were talking about cars or, or whatever, and, and she's not going to get one, but she wants one. And so, so we're talking about cars, and, and um, one of the things we talked about was when my grandmother died uh, quite a few years ago. Um, she had this old Buick Century that sat in, the, sat in the parking lot and never got driven. And it sat there for so long that, like, the tires began to dry rot and the, the ceiling of, of the car began to cave in. You know how you get all that? And so I took push pins and, like, would stick them up in there. Um, and, and then the door window, the side window, broke. And so we tried to roll down the window and we did the whole thing just fell down into the car. So we had to pick the window up and take duct tape and duct tape the window. So it was permanently, permanently closed. And then the radio was messed up. And as you were driving, whenever you would speed up or slow down, hit the brakes, turn every so often, the radio would just go really quiet. And so you'd get really quiet. So you would turn it up thinking that was a problem. But then all of a sudden you hit the brakes and it would go back up to that other volume and just burst your eardrums. It was the craziest car. Um, and, and so, so we had this car and it was old. And I remember at the time we, um, we had given away a car. So we didn't have a car. And so I was driving Meemaw's car. And so we talked about Meemaw's car and I drove it for a number of years. And, and the first, one of the first days I drove Meemaw's car, I was going to go have to pick up the kids from school. But before that, Perry called and she said, Hey, I left something at home. Will you come out to Mountain Brook and bring me whatever it is? And so I'm in Meemaw's car, and I drive out to Mountain Brook. And I don't know if you know anything about Mountain Brook, but they got a lot of nice cars in Mountain Brook. And so as I'm driving out to Mountain Brook, I pass a Porsche and then a Lamborghini. And I'm like, I've never seen a Lamborghini in real life. And now I see one the day I'm driving Meemaw's car. And I pull up into her school, and there's like, you know, all kinds of Land Rovers and Lexus, all this stuff all around me. And I was like, here I am in Meemaw's car. And so then I leave there and immediately go pick up my kids from school. And I, at the time, they all went to pain. And so I pull up into pain to get the kids. And when I pull up into pain. Uh, if you've never done car line at pain, you get there an hour early to sit, to wait, to pick up your kids. And it takes about 30 seconds to get your kids once you wait for an hour. And so, so I'm sitting there in the car line and all these cars pull up around me. And it just happened to be, there was not one clunker pulling up next to me. It was all cars that were at least $50,000 or more all around me. And I'm sitting here in Meemaw's car, the roof caving in, the window duct tape and the radio going up and down without me touching it. And I just said, God, I'm so thankful that I have a vehicle, right? Like I just had to be thankful that I had a vehicle and I began to be thankful that I was debt free. And I looked at the other person in the Lexus next to me and I said, they're probably in a lot of debt and they're, they're struggling, but I'm debt free, bless God. And, and, um, and I looked at the big pickup truck in front of me and I thought, I said, that, that joker, he's, he doesn't have any money at home. You know, he's broken and he's just, you know, barely getting by. And so, um, so then God had to condemn me for that. And so, um, but anyways, but I would begin to be thankful that God, I've got a vehicle. I've got a vehicle. That's, 
That's all that matters. I got a vehicle that moves, and our last vehicle that we did have didn't have air conditioning. We called it the hot car, and I had at least upgraded from one beater to another one, but this beater had AC, and so I was just thankful. I was thankful for what God had done in my life. And it's important that we learn to be thankful, and whenever we learn to be thankful, we can be content even when we don't have much, right? And contentment helps protect my heart from greed and envy. Right. So so here's what the Bible says in first Timothy, the same chapter, but skipping down to verse 17, it says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. So I think it's really cool that when I'm thankful, my soul is protected from things like resentment, envy and greed. Number three. Being thankful improves my health. Now, you're going to think, Gabriel, you are lying. Being thankful does not have anything to do with your health. Listen, I promise you, there are studies. There are studies that show. I'll just skip down to this part. There are studies that show that people that are thankful um, exercise more often and are more likely to attend regular health checkups. Now, I'm a very thankful person, and I love to exercise. I do not like going to the doctor, though, so that part is not always true. But, um, but. Listen, that's the thing. Whenever you're thankful, you tend to take care of what God's given you. Um, even if what God's given you may not be the best looking, you take good care of it, right? Um, so here's what First, uh, Third John chapter 1 says this in verse 2. I'm going to read two versions, the New Living and the English Standard. In the New Living, it says, Dear friends, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. English Standard Version says this, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you. And that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. In other words, there is a connection between soul health and physical health. When my soul is guarded and protected against envy and pride and depression and discouragement and discontentment. When my soul is protected and it's guarded and it's healthy. Then my physical man can be healthier as I move forward. Why? Because I'm not struggling with all the stress and, 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 um, and fear, and I'm not struggling with that discouragement and that depression. I'm able to sleep at night because I don't have all that mess on me because I've learned to be thankful and content so I can be healthier. In, in Psalm 32, 3, it says, when I refuse to confess my sin, soul issue, right? I've got a soul issue going on. I've got sin in my life. My body, physical issue, wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Psalm 103, this is a really cool one. I like Psalm 103, 1 through 5. It says this, Let all that I am, all that I am, body, soul, and spirit, let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise His holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget, so we're talking about my heart, and then the next one it says, may I never forget the brain, um, the good things He does for me. In other words, when it says that, when I never forget, I'll never forget. It means I'm being thankful, right? I'm repeating the things that he's done. He forgives all of my sins and heals all of my diseases. Soul, he redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercy. Spirit, verse 5, he fills my life with good things. My youth body is renewed like the eagle's. Whenever you do a little, little bit of di- digging into that, it's talking about saying that I will, my body gets younger. Now, now I, know, I know the psalmist wasn't getting younger. I know he didn't have the fountain of life. I get that. But what he's saying is my body is strengthened and healthy. Why? When I'm learning to be thankful, when I'm learning to praise the Lord, when I'm learning to remember all the things he's done for me. So that's the third one. And the last one is this. When I'm thankful, it deepens my faith. Last week we told you, we said, 
we need to learn to be thankful in all circumstances. Why? Why do I need to be thankful in all circumstances? Because when I'm thankful, even in the bad circumstances, I get stronger in my faith. My faith is deeper. James 1, 2 through 4 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. You could say, be thankful. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. When I'm grateful, when I'm thankful, I'm reminded of God's goodness. And it reinforces my trust in God, right? I, 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 I learn to focus on Him and not on me whenever I'm thankful. We, uh, we just had Thanksgiving. And so Thursday, we had Thanksgiving with my side of the family. And Friday, we had Thanksgiving with Perry's side of the family. Um, so I'm very full. I'm very full. Um, but whenever we did these Thanksgiving meals, it was funny how you, you find yourself sitting around. And, and, you know, typically people like to watch TV. But, but I noticed something whenever, whenever we were having these Thanksgiving meals. And even after we ate, we, we would tend to sit around maybe in a circle in a living room somewhere. And we just begin to tell stories. And maybe your family did the same thing. And, and my family, both sides are full of talkers. Man, we love to talk. And so, so we were just telling stories over and over and we would tell stories um, when I was with my dad's side of the family uh, or my side of the family we told stories about hunting and and all the the outdoor stuff we did and 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 so so you begin to tell these stories and it's amazing like as you begin to tell these stories you start to remember some things about your family you know I I, I tell my kids all the time I'm, I said look I know you don't listen to dad all the time I know you think that dad is is old and out of touch and I don't know what I'm talking about I said, but I, I am old, but I've lived a life. Like, I've lived the same life you're living, and I know what I'm talking about. And sometimes kids don't always recognize the fact that their parents know what they're talking about. And if your kids are young and they still look at you with those, those big doe eyes and they think you're a superhero, just trust me, one day they'll be teenagers. And then they'll look down at you because they're taller than you, and they'll think you don't know what you're talking about. And then whenever they're 40 again, they're going to look back and they're going to say, my dad and mom knew exactly what they were talking about, and I should have listened when I was 18 and, and 15 and 12. And I, we begin to tell these stories, and I thought, I was, I was even when I was writing my notes, I, I got to thinking, I was like, man, my dad is a good hunter. And I've always known that, but when you start hearing stories about these exploits of things that he's done and, and, and the different things that he, and I thought, man, it's just cool to, to relive these stories. And listen, with God, it's the same way. When we begin to talk about God, when we begin to be thankful for what God has done, it helps remind us of how good he really is. Whenever we're going through a hard time and maybe a family member has, has passed away or, or maybe you, you, know, you, you, didn't, you didn't get the job that you wanted or you got broken up with right before the holidays or whatever the case is. And we begin to think God has abandoned us. And if we'll just go back and start being thankful for all the things Remember the Meemaw's car, right? I didn't have a Lexus. I didn't have a, a, a Land Rover. I had a Buick Century from the 90s. And it was falling apart. But it had air. And I was thankful for that. And when you learn to be thankful for the things that you've got, when you learn to be content for the things that you've got, then it's going to deepen your faith because you're going to say, God, through all the bad times, you've always brought me through 
so you'll bring me through this bad time as well. In Psalm 136, I didn't put this in the notes today. It's just long, and you can go back and read it. But it's a really good pattern. Like if you read Psalm 136, David goes through there, and the whole psalm is like this. It says, give thanks to the Lord for, and he tells something cool that God did, and then he backs it up. It's kind of like one of the read and response. It's like, like I would say, give thanks to the Lord for, and I would say something really cool that he did, and then the crowd would say, his love endures forever. And so, so he would be like, give thanks to the Lord for the little bar down the street that we, that we had in church in. And everybody say, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for the PlayStation and setting up every Sunday morning. And it, ESPN, be, give thanks to the Lord for the PlayStation and setting up and tearing down every week. Why? Because it taught me some good work ethic. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for Colt being in the hospital, even though it didn't look good and it was kind of scary because God brought him through. His love endures forever. It's a really good, it's a really good psalm, especially if you go through and, and if you read it for yourself, you're going to be like, well, none of this stuff really applies to me. You know, I didn't go through the Red Sea or, or I didn't get fed in the wilderness. But you begin to put in the things that God has done in your life and then back every, everyone up with, His love endures forever. So here we are. Christmas is about to hit us. And what if we say, I don't really have anything to be thankful for. I don't feel very thankful right now. I'm going to end with this last passage of one thing we can always be thankful for. Colossians 1, 11 through 14. I'm going to read this passage. We're going to stand up. We're going to pray. It says this. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power, not your glorious power, his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. We've already talked about this stuff. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Let me just kind of read that last little part to you one more time. It says this, just reading back over it again, verse 12. It says, always thanking the Father. Why am I thankful today? I'm thankful if for nothing else. If I don't have a car, if I don't have a house, if I don't have a family, if I don't have health, if if I don't have money, if I don't have a job, if I don't have anything else, here's one thing I can be thankful for. He has enabled me to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. If I got nothing else, I got Jesus. If I've got nothing else, I don't have to live in the dark anymore. I can live in the light because of Jesus. If I've got nothing else, verse 13, for he has rescued me from the kingdom of darkness and transferred me into the kingdom of his dear son. If I don't have anything else to be thankful for, I can be thankful for the fact That he plucked me out of darkness. He plucked me from a place of death. He plucked me from a place of addiction. He plucked me from a place of sin. He plucked me from a place of discouragement. He plucked me from a place of depression. And he put me in his kingdom. By his power, not my power. And then lastly, if I don't have anything else to be thankful for, verse 14 says, He purchased my freedom and forgave my sins. If I don't have anything else to be thankful for today, 
I can be thankful for the fact that Jesus purchased my freedom. Jesus forgives my sins. And just like David said, he said, when I had this unconfessed sin, I was, my body was wasting away. I don't have to deal with that. I don't have to deal with that. Why? Because he has forgiven me of my sins and cleansed me, the Bible says, of all unrighteousness. Why don't you stand up with me this morning? Now, today we're going to have some people come down and they want to pray with you. It's, I, say this, I say this weekly. But you just need to understand, I mean it. The people that we bring down are safe people. They want to pray with you. They love you. And they're not going to go around telling all your stuff. But there's something about, David said, when I had sin in my life that was unconfessed. And maybe today it's not sin in the sense of you're, you're going out and doing something bad. Maybe today, if we're looking at sin not as, not as something that... Not as something like when, when some people think of sin, they think of you know, doing something terrible. But what if sin, the Bible says sin is missing the mark. What if there's an area of your life today or an area of my life today where I'm just missing the mark? And maybe, maybe that area is an area of, uh, of where I've not been, been thankful to God and I've opened my heart up to some things like discontentment. I've opened my heart up to some things like discouragement. I've opened my heart up to some things like envy or jealousy. And, and, and I'm starting to look around and I'm noticing other people and I'm noticing other things and I'm, and I'm wishing I had that life. Maybe there's some areas in our life that are like that. And today we want to pray. We want to pray for you. And I believe that God, just like, just like we just read, he can transfer us today from darkness to light. From the kingdom of this world to the kingdom of his son. He can forgive us. He can cleanse us. He can transform us. Naaman said, I wish someone would just raise their hands and just pray over me. If someone would just tell me to climb the highest mountain. And Elisha just said, just go dip in the river, man. And today I'm telling you, the first step is just be thankful. Let's just learn to be thankful. Let's just learn to tell God thanks. When we're singing in here, We don't sing on Sunday mornings just to give you something to do. We sing on Sunday mornings to help spur on thankfulness. When we worship God, it's just stirring up thankfulness inside of you. So even if you don't sing good, even if you don't sing loud, I encourage you to sing. I encourage you to be thankful. I encourage you to lift your hands and tell God how wonderful he is. Because it starts us off with thanksgiving. So if my prayer team could come down, I'm going to just pray for you right now. And then, and then Kim will come up in just a few minutes and she'll dismiss us. But Lord God, we love you and we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to share your word. And God, we thank you for all that you've done. I thank you, God. I'm grateful today. I'm thankful today for your mercy. I'm thankful today for your kindness. I'm thankful today for your forgiveness. And God, there may be some people in the room today that don't know you, that don't serve you, that haven't given their lives to you today. And God, today, maybe they need to, they need to get that off their chest. Maybe today they need to, to, to submit to your Lordship. And so today I pray that you would give them the boldness and the courage right now where they're sitting to give you their lives, to turn over their hearts to you. To accept Jesus as the only one that can save us. We can't save ourselves and no other God, no other entity can save us. Only Jesus can. So God, today, if there's anybody like that today, I pray that they would, they would find you this morning. That they would choose you today. And God, for those of us today that just need to be thankful, maybe, maybe we're struggling in the area. Maybe, maybe we've got some, some sickness or maybe we've got some, some finances or family stuff coming on. And I just pray right now that you would help us today. 
Be with us, Holy Spirit. Lead us and guide us in Jesus' name. If you need prayer this morning, I want you to slip out of your seat as Pastor John and Anna lead us in one last song. And when they get done singing, then we'll dismiss you guys.